Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor J.P. Troyo here. So glad that you're joining us today on our podcast. You're about to hear a message today from our weekend encounter. Uh, I pray that this message uh, encourages you, inspires you, and pushes you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to stay on track with what's going on at the church, we'd love for you to download our app, Oasis Church Chicago, or visit us on our website, www.oasischurchchicago.com. I'm praying for you, we're believing for you, and we trust that God's gonna continue to do great things in your life. God bless you. Now here's the message today. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, before you, well, while you're sitting down, if you have seats next to you, can you do us a huge favor right now? Can you scoot in? Can you make room? We got people standing. Who would, who would be willing? How many people we got standing back there, Ruben? A couple? Anybody need a seat? A couple? We're good? All right. I know we got people standing in the back. So the ushers are going to make some way for some seats. Praise the Lord. Amen. I know there's some people that came in here this morning that this is your first time being at this church, and what a day for you to be here. Um, if you walked in, I, I, I was told that some people made their way into the building to go other spaces and places here in the building, and they're here. They're here, and so we welcome you, we honor you, we thank you that you're here with us. You have a seat here among us, and if this is your first time being here at Oasis Church Chicago, we're so glad you're here. You don't have to believe what we believe to be here. We're glad you're in the seats this morning. The grace of God is big enough to transform your life exactly where you're at. He's here. He wants an encounter with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to move in your life. And so you're in the right place today. How many of you are thankful for Jesus? I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm going to do my best to get through this right now. The presence of God is here. And I know we say that sometimes just to fill the room, fill the space. I was joking with a guy. I said, I'm just, a lot of times pastors just say stuff to fill stuff because they don't know what to say in the middle. But really, the presence of God is here. And I was over there and I can't like, so, so, babe, pray for me right now that I can actually preach this message. But we're in 21 days of fasting and praying and God is so good and he's so, so sweet to us and he's so, so kind to us. He's slow in anger, abounding in love. Anybody thankful that God is slow to anger and abounding in love? And so as you guys are fasting, I just want to encourage you, keep going after him. Keep going after him. Allow him to clear the stuff out. If you weren't with us last week, just clear the stuff out in us, Holy Spirit, that doesn't need to be there, that shouldn't be in our hearts, shouldn't be in our minds, shouldn't be in our lives, in our homes, in our relationships. Come on, God just doesn't want to transform your mind. He wants to change your whole world. That was a really, really good place to say amen. And so just keep, keep fasting. You know, I heard it. Someone sent me a quote this week from Andrew Bonner. He's a minister out in, in Scotland. And it says this, fasting is abstaining from anything that hinders prayer. Fasting is abstaining from anything that hinders your prayer life. Prayer life is not just a five-second five prayer in the beginning of the day. Father, just be with my day. Thank you. Prayer in, in the kingdom of God, it's communing. It's communing with him. It's talking with him all throughout the day. It's laying your life down at his feet every single day saying, Father, I need you. You're king. I'm not. Can we just come to grips that in this generation today, a lot of us think we're king? Better yet. Okay, because none of you want to admit that. Pastor thinks he's king sometimes. And the Lord is just wrecking me this time saying, you are not in control. <laughs> Sit your butt down and shut up. Because I am in control. I am the king. I'm the one that's here. So just keep fasting. Keep praying. And today I want to I talk again about fasting and praying. I want to talk about um, just the power of it. The power of prayer and fasting. 
If you are here and you've ne- you haven't joined with us in fasting and, and you haven't joined in this time, it's okay. This message, regardless, is for you. It's for you, I, I promise you. And so we're going to look at three different stories in the Bible. Normally I would preach one, one, one piece of uh, scripture, and, but this I got three different stories of, of scripture that I want to teach. I, I entitled this message, if you need a title for it, Tapping into Power. Tapping into Power. It's a really, really smart title. I just like, <laughs> thank you, Pastor George. The power of prayer and fasting. I want to discover together the power of what happens as we pray and fast. Uh, like I said last week, I want to clear out space. I want to make more room. I want us to be people that are open to the kingdom of God. I want us to be people that are open to the work of God. I want us to be people that our hearts are exposed. It's okay to expose your heart to God. You know why? He's the one that created it. He's the one that actually holds it. So, so giving him the stuff, talking to him, telling him the stuff that's in our lives. And so as we fast and pray, what we're doing is we're posturing ourselves before the Lord. We're posturing our lives before the Lord saying, have your way. Like your kingdom come. Sean, this might be really hot. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is. I'm posturing my life to say it's no longer me, but it's you. It's no longer my plans. It's your plans. It's no longer my will. It's your will. It's no longer my future. It's your future for me. You with me? And so fasting is posturing our lives. And so as we look through these three different stories, I just want us to discover together the power of us posturing ourselves in prayer, posturing ourselves in this time of fasting, and saying, God, I receive you. I hope you know that he doesn't need to do another thing for us. He doesn't need to do another miracle for your life. He doesn't need to do another breakthrough for your life. I think sometimes in the church, we talk about the miracles and the break. Like, don't worry, your breakthrough's right around the corner. I believe that. Right? Like, we're not people that don't live for the, the, the move of God in our lives, right? But if we're just waiting for the next miracle, we're missing what God is calling us to do. And that is just to posture ourselves at his feet, sitting as sons and daughters. Like, if you don't do anything else in life except just posturing yourself at the feet of Jesus, I'm telling you, you have, been, you have the most blessed marriage, the blessed home, blessed children, blessed job. I'm telling you guys, if you just say, God, you don't need to do another thing for me. You've done enough by giving me your son Jesus through that cross like we just sang about. You've done it all for me. And so today, as we tap into this together, I want to encourage us. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Joshua 6, 1 through 22. And there's going to be a couple more verses that I fill in the gaps here. So the people of Israel are walking into the promised land. They're going into the promised land, and there's a significant moment that happens, and this is uh, the story of the walls of Jericho. Who, who grew up in church? Who, knew, who knows, better yet, who just knows the story of the walls of Jericho, right? Powerful story, crazy story. It's, it's a true story. Many, many people have proved and believed, like, it's there, it happened, the city walls fell down. Like, there was, there was findings of it. I was looking it up, studying it. And, and so, this is not, let me just make a statement. This is not a, a, a specific story about fasting, Okay? But what it's about is this word that, like, we say in the church, but I think we pass over it. It's about obedience. And before you can fast and before you can tap into the power of what you're tapping into when you pray and fast, like, like you can do that, but before we understand what fasting does for us, we got to understand obedience with God. You with me, church? And so this story I want to teach about is the, the power of obedience. The power of obedience. And so I'm going to read 1 through 6. It says this. In Joshua, now the gates of Jericho were, tight, were tightly shut. I read that and I was like, man, how many doors are going to open up today for people? 
What door in your life has been shut and God's just gonna break it down right now? Better yet, what door in your heart have you shut off to God that he's gonna break down right now? What door in your mind that you're like, that's my thought, I can keep that thought. That's a really good thought because you've listened to the voice of the evil one for far too long that told you that's who you are and that's what you are and that's what you're about. Instead of saying, no, today, God, you're gonna open up that door in my mind. My mind is not, am I preaching to maybe 10 people in the room this morning? And so now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in and out. But the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua's in control now. He's the leader of the people of Israel. I have given you Jericho. Whew. I have, God says, given you Jericho. It's kings and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, everyone say the seventh. You are to march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horn. When you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout out as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can, ch can charge straight into town. If we jump into verse eight then, eight through 10. After Joshua spoke to the people, right? He went out and spoke to the people. The seven priests with the ram's horn started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horn as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, Joshua said. And he says something. Don't even talk. Now that's a pretty pointed command, right? Hey, we're going six days. Don't shout. Better yet, don't talk. Pretty pointed, right? Pretty clear, you, all, you understand what that means, right? Joshua commanded, not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. <laughs> Verse 14, skipping down. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they, they went around the town seven times like God told them, Right? The seventh time around, as the priest sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, shout, for the Lord your God has given you the town. Let me, let me just say this. I don't get up here and tell you guys to give Jesus a shout of praise just because it's really cool. You need to start learning how to shout down the demons that are in front of you. Shout down the darkness that's in front of you. Shout down the walls that are in front of you. You need to start learning how to use this mouthpiece, this instrument that God gave you that that he wants to use, and he wants to say to you, start screaming at the stuff that's screaming at you. Start telling the, the things that are in front of you that are telling you who you are. Start shouting back at it, saying, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. You have no territory in my life. You have no position in my home. Man, I, I, this isn't even my notes, but the, this, the, the morning, morning, afternoon, I, I went to go get Titus because he woke up, just suddenly woke up in his nap. And Rachel's like, you got to just go down there and get him. So I went into his crib and got him, and he was shaking. Because I think somewhere in this, I don't, I, if you're a scientist or a doctor, just don't tell me if I'm wrong here. But I feel like now he's actually beginning to like really dream and understand dreams. And I grabbed him and I held him in my arms. And he was like shaking, but his eyes were closed and his head was like kind of doing one of that. And I, and I referred to him, was like, oh, that's really cute. He's dreaming. And the Lord said something to me. He said, you better start praying over your son right now. I said, why? Why? He goes, because Satan, even at this age, will try to get his mind. You need to start declaring over this territory, over this boy, that he has the mind of Christ. And man, I, boy, I had a prayer meeting in that, in that room. It was dark. I mean, you can't see his face. We blacked out his windows. This brother sleeps in the dark. And all of a sudden, I see this camera, the camera thing moving the light. Like Rachel was upstairs with the little remote, like, mm. And she saw me in there, and I was like, hey, don't bother me right anyways. 
shout. I began to shout and pray over that little one, for the Lord has given you this town. And then verse 20, when the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. The first thing we gotta to understand today is this. The first point is this, and when it comes to the power of prayer and fasting, tapping into it, obedience activates God's transforming presence. Obedience activates God's transforming presence. His presence is available. His presence is open to us. Don't miss this. Please do not be like, Pastor, what? Like, when you call upon in the name of the Lord, he meets you. He comes and his presence surrounds you. But I do believe something, that there is a moment throughout, all throughout Scripture, there's moments throughout Scriptures that when, when people began to act in obedience, God began to act on behalf of them. Okay, so, 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 so what is it, Pastor? You know, and James, James talks about, well, is it faith? So do I have to just have faith in, in the transforming presence, or do I got to have works? You heard this debate before. What is it? Is it faith or is it works? And James is like, well, show me your faith, and I'll show you my works. Faith without works is dead, right? So, so what is it, Pastor JP? Is, is, is God's presence only going to come when there's obedience? I believe his transforming presence, the working of his presence, the moving of his presence comes when the people of God are obedient. Yes. Huh. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, anybody know the brother? Anybody ever read him? It's good. Read him. He says this, only he who believes is obedient. Only he who believes is obedient, and only he who is obedient believes. So what is it? Is it faith or is it works? Yes. <laughs> what is it faith? Is it yes. You can't have works without faith. You can't work without the, the faith. You've got to have both, but when you understand that God's calling you to operate in obedience, which is faith and work, then you get the presence of God that transforms your life, transforms the situations in front of you, transforms the things. Our beliefs flow into our works, and our works flow into our beliefs. What we believe about God will show what we do. You, you catch that. What you think about God will show how you live your life. That was a really good place to say amen. See, the thing is, is that we have a really distorted picture of God. And some of you in this room, it's not condemnation. Some of you in this room, myself, sometimes we operate the way that we see God right here. Well, I've only seen God right here. I've only seen God do things right here. I haven't seen him do the things that everyone else talks about. He's still God, and he still does those things. You need to raise your eyes up to him and let him show you who he is. But if you start to only see God for who you think he is, you're going to miss the point of it. You need to start believing who God really is. God is the way maker. God is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. God is the prince of peace. He is the ruler of over everything. He is greater. He is higher. He is stronger. He is mightier. So Jesus didn't tell his disciples, he didn't tell his people, if you fast, Right? If you read, he didn't say, if you fast and pray. He said, when you fast and pray. That was an instruction from Jesus. Jesus is giving an instruction to the people, and the people now have an opportunity to either walk in obedience or walk in their own plans. And I think we need to understand that the word obedience isn't God's just a rule maker and I got to follow the rules. No, God is a good God that wants to put you in pleasant places and surrounding with boundaries that are good and healthy and right so that you don't have to get to the, to the world and get trapped by it, get caught by it. He wants you to walk in the obedience that he calls you because there's a transforming work that happens when you walk in the obedience of God. Obedience is a love language to God. How many of you took love language tests? Oh, I know what love language I am. When Rachel and I got married, we know you sat down with the, the couple that mentored us for some time. And they're like, you guys know each other, love, loves, 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 <laughs> love language. And I was like, oh, yeah, Rachel's just totally this. And she was like, I, I said something, something, and she was like, 
that ain't my love language. I was like, oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. You like gifts. You like this. And she goes, no, that's yours. You just want me to have your love language. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> we all love each other's love language. What are you? Come on, all you single people, you're like, oh, I'm writing this as good notes. <laughs> Obedience is the love language to God. He is mad crazy when his children obey. He goes madly nuts when his children obey. Okay, so look at this story, right? In Jer- and I could have, man, I could have picked, I already had like two, I had a story and then another one, another one. I could have picked many stories in the Bible where obedience followed people and man, the transformed. But, but, but let's just look at this story because this is a cool story. I like this story. Joshua gets before the people. He said, hey, this is the word of the Lord, right? This is, the, this is God's voice speaking right now. Hey, 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 listen, we're gonna go to the city that's in front of us. And it's in front of us, it's got super tall walls, it's fortified, it's there, we're not able to get in. So what we're gonna do is what God told us to do. How many of you know as leaders sometimes you have to be very careful to not operate in your own thinking and ability? You gotta be so clear with what God's saying because if you try to do it on your own, you're gonna miss the mark because Joshua could have said, hey guys, Jesus, uh, God the Father said, let's just go take the city. He said, no, 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 we're gonna walk around for six days. We're gonna walk around the walls for six days. And he said, don't speak. <laughs> How many of you know there's probably that one person in the crowd like, mm, he ain't gonna tell me not to speak. <laughs> it was probably a man, so he's probably like, he's not telling me. Like, nobody's telling me what to do. Well, okay, then you're missing the whole idea of family. And so Joshua says, just walk around. Don't say a word. Don't say a word. How many of you know that, that if someone, just one, would have stepped out of line? I don't know if this would have happened. If one person in the group would have just been like, well, I'm me. And I know how God works with me. Right? Come on. Well, I could just, I'll do one lap and then I'll shout because I'm going back to the tent. I walk around this place for six days around these walls. But there was a level of understanding of obedience among the people of God because they saw God make a way through the sea. They saw God do miracles. They saw God take them out of slavery. They saw God and how good he was that they said, if that's how good you are, I'll listen to what you're telling me. And so they began to walk around the walls, Scripture says, not saying a word, not opening up their mouths, not doing anything that wasn't told of them, not looking and saying, I got a better plan, God. How many of you ever told God you got a better plan? The rest of you are lying. Like, I got the better plan. I know how to do this. And God's like, no, I'm going to tell you the plan. I'm going to tell you your purposes. I'm going to tell you your future. I'm going to, like we were singing, tell you your destiny. I'm the one that's going to rewrite your history. Not you, me. And so they were obedient. And what happens? Seventh day came. Could you imagine that scene? Who would want to be there? I'd want to be there. I just want to be out in the back just watching like, this is about to happen. And just at the shout of people's mouths, the praises of the horns, the instruments that began to play, the the shout of the people of God, walls came tumbling down. (laughs) Do you understand, guys? Do you understand? Do you understand what's happening? Do you guys understand? God smiles. God moves on behalf of obedience. When his children are obedient to him, God's like, oh, I can use you. I can go where you're going. I can work with you because you are sold out for me. You're not sold out for this world. You're not tapping into any other power, some other higher being. You're tapping into me and me only, and you're being obedient to the things that I've called you to be. And so if you continue to be obedient with me, I'm going to move in ways you can't imagine. I'm going to tear walls down that are in front of you. 
I'm gonna give you land that you need promise. What, oh my goodness, the best thing is this. What land has he called you to conquer in life? What land has he called you to conquer in life? Well, what do you mean, physical land? Maybe, maybe. But he's called you to conquer your mind. And you're, you're just filling your mind with a whole bunch of other stuff that's not of God. When he's telling you, yo, this is how you do it. Soak in this thing. Get this thing in you. Get this thing in you. You want to transform mine? Get this in you. Well, the Bible is just old. It's an old book. You know, this book has been tried to have been debated for, for however many thousands of years. Guess what? It's still standing. And every word in this book, I can tell you, you're, you got a situation, come to me. I'll be like, oh, let me just open up the word and read it to you and tell you what the word says. Anyways. Man, what land are you, like, God promised it in your heart, and you're just like, no, I choose it this way. Oh, God promised me that I would be married, but he told me to wait. He told me to hold off. He told me to be patient, but I chose me, and I chose my path. He told me that he would open up the business dream in my heart. He told me that he would do the thing in my life, but he told me to wait, and he told me to press in, and he told me to get it clearer and clearer, but I chose to go and do it right away. And you miss the land that God's called us to conquer here among us. Is this encouraging us? We tap into the power by being obedient first. God's calling us to fast. Don't fight it. How many of you in day six and seven, you're like, I'm fighting this thing. This, I think he only said six days to you, pastor, not 21. <laughs> yeah. I woke up, I was like, God, you sure it's 21? Or maybe is it, can, I, can I take it? You know, he's like, shut up, go to church. <laughs> calling us to be obedient. He smiles upon obedience. Is this good? just helping you. Choose obedience. Choose obedience. And so, okay, so then there's a story in the Bible in the Old Testament again. I love the Old Testament. Man, I love the Old Testament. And there's something going on in the church today where they're like, don't worry about the Old Testament. I love it. It's the whole story of God, the whole story of his goodness. Are there parts of it that are crazy? <laughs> I'm like reading that, like blacking it out. Like I never want to preach that. But it's so good when you understand the whole story of God that he's been madly crazy about us, that he's just trying to pursue his people first, and then he opened up the door to us as Gentiles, as people outside, and he's just crazy, crazy, crazy about us, that the whole story was him drawing his people back to his heart to do what he intended to do, which was us for to sit and walk and commune with him in the garden, to be pure, to be right, to be holy, to be set apart. That's the whole story. I'm preaching crazy stuff right So then there's a story in the Bible that we, we, we know, most of us would know, and if you don't, that's okay, I'm gonna teach it, but the second thing that comes to mind when tapping into the power is this. God delights in our choosing of him over the world. God delights in our choosing of him over the world. Daniel 10. Go to Daniel 10 real fast. Oh, you're like, where's Daniel? Some of you just got the Bible the first time. There's a little uh, thing in the beginning. What do, you, what do you call that? Index. Someone say index. Table of contents. Concordance. Just the books of the Bible. It's there. Just flip there. Go to Daniel. It's later on in the Old Testament. Daniel 10. So this is, this, is, this is something I believe. God is, God's attention is not only grabbed by obedience, but it's grabbed when we choose him over the desires of the world. We, we catch the attention of God when we choose him over the world. We do. Watch, Daniel 10. So, so, so what's happening here in Daniel? King Nebuchadnezzar has attacked Jerusalem and it's captured some of the, the, the boys. It's the boys of the line of Judah, the, the, the line of Israel. He's captured them. Included in that group of boys was Daniel. And so these were holy boys. These were set-apart guys. Now the people of Israel have become captured. They're, they're in exile, right? They're in exile because, because they broke, catch this, 
the covenant that God told them to keep, their disobedience put them into slavery. I'm telling you this, guys. Obedience is a thing that we've casted out of church like it's just legalism. It's just what God, ah, ah! Yo, it put people in slavery. It exiled them away from God. Well, Jesus is here. Jesus is God. Right? <laughs> okay. Babe, I told you, you better be interceding right now so I can get through. So, so King Nebuchadnezzar is in charge of, of the rule and reign over these people that are now there among him, the exiled people, the people of Israel. And he's saying to these boys, Daniel and the other boys, he's like, yo, yo, you're going to eat my food. You're going to eat the stuff that I put in front of you. You're going to eat all the things that I choose. And Daniel stands up and says, no, 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 no. I ain't touching any of the king's stuff because I know what it's been doing. I know what it's been done. It's been with sacrifice. It's been with all this other stuff. It's the pagan food, and I'm not touching the pagan food. So thank you so much, Daniel 1. We get the story. Thank you so much. I'm not going to eat the king's food. Would you bring me the veggies? Yeah, there's some people. Would you bring me the, the water? I'm not going to drink wine. I'm not going to drink any of that. Just in these, I, I'm not going to touch what the king would present to me because I just want to stay holy. I want to stay pure. I want to stay right. You with me? And so then Daniel, in Daniel 10 now, begins to fast and pray because the Lord is giving him dreams and visions about what's to happen for the people of God. When you know that God's calling you to something, guys, I'm telling you, not just during this 21 days, but fast and pray. You get clarity, you get wisdom, you get understanding far beyond because you're not desiring the world, you're giving yourself to God and there are things that he wants to place in your heart, not just during these 21 days. Make fasting a priority in your life. So Daniel 10, two through 10, I'm reading out of the New King James Version, so if you don't have that version, just follow along on the screen. And some of you are like, what's the New King James Version? In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks, 21 days. Three full weeks or 21 days, right? Is that is my math right? I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Okay, Daniel's wild. This brother ain't taking a shower for three weeks. He's not cleaning himself up. He's not doing it. Like, I'm, I'm encouraging y'all to shower, please. Like, in Jesus' name. So, so Daniel did not touch food for three weeks. He, he, he only ate what the Lord put in front of, like what he asked for, veggies, water. He just wanted to hunger and thirst after God. He didn't want to. He knew that there was something ahead. And then it's, it, fast forward to verse 10. Go home and read your Bibles. I should not be the only Bible that you read right now. Go home and read them. Suddenly, a hand touched me, Daniel's writing, which made me tremble on my knees. And on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, Oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. While he was there speaking to me, I stood trembling. This isn't in my notes, but like, when's the last time you trembled before God? I got rocked over there during worship. Some of you probably heard me. <laughs> my wife at one point put her hand on my back like thinking I was going to go down. God is so good. I'm not telling you have to be like this. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying when you understand how good God is and the reverence of him that I am like, I, oof. You allow me to lift my hands to you. You allow me to come into your throne room of grace. You give me that access and I don't deserve it. But God, you're so good. 
Daniel gave up food for three weeks of the king's food. He's fasting for 21 days. And Daniel initially fasted not to defile himself, but that changed. Something changed. He not only began to fast because he didn't want to defile himself with the king's food, he wanted to fast because he wanted to hear what the Lord had to say to him. We tap into the power of God's spirit into what he wants to say by giving up food, by giving up the things of our lives, by giving up this world so that we can hear. How many of you have been distracted during this fast at times? Thank you for your honesty. The rest of you, I want to come sit with you. Because the world will keep trying to get you, get you, get you, get you. Lie to you, lie to you, lie to you. Tell you who you are, tell you who you are. And Daniel said, no, I don't want to listen to anything. I don't want to let anything in my place. I don't want to leave this place. I want to sit right here and I want only the presence of God to invade my life, to surround my thoughts, to do everything that he wants to do. And so, so Daniel fasted re, re, first to not defile himself, but then he changed it to, to say, God, I'm here to listen to you. What's interesting about this passage that struck me is it's what I was able to come up with why we give up the desires of the world become desirable to God is, you know, in verse 3, it says that, it says that I ate no pleasant food, Daniel writes. I ate no pleasant food. And what's crazy then is so, so that's Daniel saying, I'm giving up. I'm obedient to what you're calling me. I want to do this. So I gave up uh, the pleasant foods, the king's food. And then in verse 11, it, it, Daniel writes, and he said to me, oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved. What's crazy, oh, this is so good. What's crazy, and many of you might know this, but man, it's so, so, so powerful, is that the word pleasant food means desirable. In the original, pleasant food that Daniel gave up means desirable. Do you know what man, do you know what the word greatly beloved means also in the original? Desirable. Mm. Oh, I'm about to preach. He says, I gave up the desires of this world. I gave up the desires of the flesh. I gave up my things, my thoughts, the way that I think it should work, the way that I think it should go, to fulfill my, my cravings, to fulfill my lustful things, to fulfill my things that I need that are only going to fulfill me. I gave it up to just desire God, to desire his spirit, to desire his goodness, to desire his word. Daniel, for 21 days, I believe as many more, but for those 21 days, he gave up desires of the world. Why? And what happens? The angel comes and he touches his hand. He says, Daniel, because you gave up the desires, I desire you. I desire you. You are now a man that is greatly desirable before God. You guys aren't catching this. Heaven wants to look down at you and say, I desire you. I want you. I don't want anything of this world for you. I just want you. The Lord struck me. He said, Jay, I wanted you to give up the desires of the flesh so that you can become more desirable to me. I want your home to become more desirable to me. I want your spouse to become more desirable to me. I want your kid to become more desirable to me. I want this church to become more desirable to me. If we give up the world, we get the calling of heaven to be desirable by God. Wake up, church. Wake up. This is not a game. We've made church like, oh, just come in. Get your stuff and leave. Not here, guys. I love us. God's calling us to be desirable. He wants to look from heaven and say, yo, I desire you. I desire you. 
I desire you. Oh, you stumbled and fall, book. my grace is sufficient. My mercy is new every day. Come on, I'm going to pull you up. I'm pull you up. I'm pull you up. Y'all, I'm going to put you back here. I desire. What would happen if we came up, became a bunch of people that were desired by God so that he could move through us, so that we could be vessels to be moved through? What would happen? I want to get closer to Jesus. Who wants closeness to Jesus? Who, wants, who doesn't? Okay, just for my sake as the pastor of this church, every hand, just slip it up. Who wants to get closer? Thank you. I'm not going to go now seek counseling afterwards like this church is. We have a water. Prayer and fasting, tapping into the power makes us desirable by God. Again? Again. You all with me? Does this help? We get the power of heaven by giving up the desires of the world. I'm telling you guys, calling a, being called a believer, son of God, a daughter of the king, you don't operate the world operates. You don't do the things the world does. Well, I just want to fit in. No, you don't. It will take more from you than you could ever count. It will steal more from you than you could ever imagine. It will leave you. It will forsake you. It will abandon you. I am a product of it. I thought I could do it. I thought I could have it. I thought I could taste it. I thought I could have one foot in and one foot out, and it took everything from me. It's only by the grace of Jesus that I'm standing here today. I want all of us to become desirable by him. And the last thing is this, prayer and fasting uncovers reality. Can I take a drink? Cheers. Prayer and fasting uncovers reality. Prayer and fasting, what does, it disconnects us from the world and connects us to the Father. This is an idea that we not only need Jesus to save us, how many of you are thankful for Jesus saving us? But then when Jesus saves us, the work of the Holy Spirit, the sanctifying work of his Spirit continues in your life. It's not a one-thing wonder. It's a really good word. It's not a one-time like, woo! This is a daily sanctification of his spirit over your life. It's a daily work that he works in your spirit and he calls the things out of you. What happens when the spirit is allowed to work in your life, when you're praying and you're going to the Father and you're laying yourself down, he begins to uncover the things in you that are in you that only he can call out. Yeah, how many of you have been in prayer and God calls something out of you? You're like, I didn't even know that was there. Once again, six of us. <laughs> awesome. That's how good he is. He, he calls you into the place. He starts to speak to you, and he starts to reveal the things that are going on. So Matthew 17, 14 through 21, it's a powerful story. It's a boy being healed, released of a demonic stronghold. Guys, can I tell you something? Demons aren't just on movies. They're real. Spiritual warfare scripture says we don't fight flesh and blood. We fight powers of principalities and darkness of this age that you can't see. You can't imagine when you pray and you fast, you can't help but understand that there are things going around you. There are things that are trying to invade your house that you say no because I'm tapping into the power of God to have my home surrounded, to have my apartment surrounded, to have my dorm room surrounded. There, I know it's crazy, right? But we love the supernatural. Just go through your Netflix account and see how many of the TV shows you've been watching about the supernatural stuff. No? There's an actual supernatural war raging. And when you pray and you fast, you tap into the power to walk through it and not get stuck by it. So, so okay, I got to hurry. Whew. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, right? A father, it says, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely, for often he falls into fire and often into the water. What? That's crazy. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Man, those brothers. Can we just have a moment of silence for the disciples in prayer? Like, 
I brought him to your homies, but they could do nothing. Could you imagine the disciples like, guys, what the mess? Like, why didn't you do like, who didn't pray? Who didn't have time with God this morning? Like, why didn't you? Like, why aren't you fasting? Like, I'm fasting so we can see this work happen. No, this is how I read the Bible. It's like, oh man, Peter, enough's enough. <laughs> then Jesus, not kindly, but just goes at him. Oh, Jesus is this way. Oh, read what he says. Oh, faithless. In perverse generation, blessed be the name of the Lord. How long shall I be with you? How long should I bear with you? Don't get mad. This is Jesus. I love Jesus. Yeah, well, he says this. Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. Whew. And it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came privately to Jesus. Very good call, disciples. Don't be like, hey, Jesus, what happened? <laughs> he probably would have been like, you! <laughs> they went quietly, privately to Jesus. You know, you can go privately to Jesus and ask him what's going on in your life. Why, why couldn't we cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. What? Well, we didn't have the proper training, Jesus. We didn't know X, Y, and Z. Like, we didn't know how to do it. No, no, you just didn't have belief. You weren't tapping into me through prayer and fasting. You didn't under, okay. Be because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, and there's a whole bunch I could teach. I don't have time. It's, uh, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Can we just say nothing's impossible with God? Just say that. Nothing. What's the word nothing in the original? Nothing. Nothing is impossible for God and for you. However, though, this kind of work does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Oh, man. Does this Bible say prayer and fa I just like to pray. I don't want to fast, Pastor. Can I, can I remind us of what our calling was, what the commission was, is to go and preach the good news, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to tell the world, about how good he is, what he did for us. And we're called then as believers to walk in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. We're called to walk into people's lives and to give them love and to give them grace, but we're called then to call the things that are in them out of them. We're called to cast out darkness, bind the schemes of Satan and kiss them out, bind the lies of the enemy, bind the strongholds of the demonic powers and say, you gotta go in Jesus' name. You have no residency, you have no power, you have no authority here. Now this is crazy, right? Who thinks this is crazy? My hand's up, so every one of your hands. But serving Jesus is crazy. And so we're not called to have a simple life where I just get the message, I go to brunch, and I forget everything the pastor said, and I get into my Monday, I get into my Tuesday, but don't worry, I'll be there Wednesday. But then I'll leave, and I'll forget everything that was said Wednesday, I'll go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I'll be back Sunday, and I'll just keep doing this for the rest of my life. Can I encourage you in the Lord today? That's not the life of a believer. I mean, you're good. You'll get to heaven. Can I say that? Why did I look to him? Like, <laughs> Yes. My cousin, I love him to death. Yeah, yeah. But we are called to bring light to the darkness. The life of believers is not this hide in the house, don't speak up, don't say what is right. Don't do what is, no, we're called to walk in the authority of heaven. I don't know about you, but when I see people released from demonic strongholds and from oppression, guys, there's nothing but joy. There's nothing but, but life. There's nothing but hope. There's nothing but truth. 
So fasting and praying, it, it disconnects us from the world. And it connects us back to the Father, to the source that is empowering us, the source that is moving in us. I'm, I'm almost done, but here's the deal. I, I've shared this story before, but this is real. God came to release us and to give us hope and to fill us with new. And so I can't tell you there's been many times in my life. Well, I shouldn't say many. That sounds drastic. There's been a handful of times in my life where I've gotten a call and I know something's going on and I go into a place and a situation. And I walk in and you can feel the presence that is in the room and it's not a good presence. It's a very dark presence. And I remember one time specifically, I've shared this story. I was, I was somewhere else and I called a buddy and I said, hey man, are you in a good place with God? He said, yeah, man. I said, okay, cool, come with me. He's like, what? I'm like, come on, we're going, we're going, we're going to do something. He's like, what are we doing? I was like, oh, just pray. He's like, okay. So before we got to the door, I said, hey, man, are you really good? Like, are you in a good, like, I don't want to be like the disciples. Like, why weren't you? Why, like, like, are we good? He's like, yeah, yeah, we're good. And we go into this room. And the oppression and darkness that was on this young boy was beyond what I could ever speak to you guys. I know, guys, this could exit the church real quick. People are like, I'm out, peace. And I couldn't help but just say, in the name of Jesus. We went and we, we covered over this boy. It's not me. Because, man, I'm like shaking inside. Like, oh, dear Lord, God, blessed be your name. I'm trying to recite every scripture in the book. Like, ah. Oh. The Lord just said, cover him. Pray over him. And I began to pray. I began to cover him. I laid on top of him, and I just anointed his head, and I just... And this boy that was filled with this power, this stronghold, I remember just yelled. And I remember looking at him, and he looked up. He had no, no life, like white as a ghost. No, and he looked up, and his face was radiating. His face was shining. And he was, he was shaking because he's like, what just happened? And I said, Jesus. <laughs> Only Jesus. Only by the Spirit of God. Guys, we are not called to just sit here and be like, well, I lift my hands in worship. I just do this. No, we are called to see the sick healed. We are called to see those that are held by bondage casted out of it. We are called by to see seeing those that have been gripped by fear and anxiety and depression. Come on, church. I'm telling you today, some of you are so gripped by fear and anxiety and depression. Satan's got you. And in the name of Jesus, right now, today, we want to see it go. We want to see it released. We want to see it fall off your life. Listen, listen. Prayer team, get ready. I don't know who's praying, but we're going to open up the altars. Some of you are so filled with, you know, the spirit of pride is a spirit. It's a spirit. It's not a choice. Some of you are so filled with pride that Jesus tells you to get on your knees and worship him. You're like, I'm good here. Jesus tells you to go forgive. I'm good there. Today, in the name of Jesus, where there is pride and selfish ambition, it's got to go. It's got to go. It's got to go. Why? Because we are not called to live bound. We are called to live free and free indeed. Because who the sun sets free is free indeed. How many of you want to live a life that is free and set free by the good news of Jesus Christ?